Hi, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, with tax year end on the horizon and ISA allowances due to reset shortly, I'm joined by Interact Investor's Lee Wilde to take a closer look at income portfolios and ideas for how you can generate £10,000 for yours. So before we get to the portfolios themselves, I think a good starting point is for a very quick word on how to reduce risk. So Lee, what would you say are the main things that investors should bear in mind on this front? Well, in terms of company investments, I mean, you've got AIM company shares at one end, which are deemed very high risk. They're smaller companies, a lot of them sort of un- untested, developing new technologies, that sort of thing. Uh, at the other end, obviously, you've got your FTSE 100 stocks, blue chips that have been around forever, uh, are more established. But in terms of taking risk with your stock market investments, I mean, if you were to buy one, put all of your money into one basket, and if that basket were, or the money was uh, put into an AIM share, a single AIM share, I mean, that, that's as, as high risk really as it, it gets in terms of equity investing. Most investors like to have a little bit of money in the more speculative end of the market, the sort of riskier ends, high risk, high reward. But I think the majority will also like to spread that risk. Uh, and spread it across a number of markets, sizes of companies, geographies, that sort of thing. So that's how you typically spread your risk with a diversified portfolio. The three portfolios that we're going to talk about, I mean, you've done one share portfolio and I've done a fund and an investment trust version, all aiming to generate £10,000 this year. That's one of the key things that we've done when building those portfolios is ensuring that they are diversified. The other thing that I just want to briefly mention is with income investing, particularly for um, those in retirement. One way to reduce risk is to um, only take the natural yield. So this is the income that the portfolio is generating rather than eat into capital growth. And the reason why is because when stock markets are volatile, as you know they have been, well, they certainly were in 2022. So when stock markets fall sharply and those income withdrawals are maintained or increased, during that period, it becomes difficult for the fund's capital value to recover afterwards. And it becomes even more difficult for that value to recover if you're drawing on capital rather than taking the natural yield. Because what happens here is that you have less capital left in the pot. So then you have less fund units. And then this makes it much harder for your portfolio to recover and regain value. And a vicious circle is created if stock markets continue to fall and you continue to make withdrawals from capital. And this phenomenon, it's known as pound cost ravaging, which is the inverse of pound cost averaging. And in my opinion, it's not really written or spoken about as much as pound cost averaging, but um, it should be because you know it can be detrimental to people's wealth. So moving on to the portfolios, Lee, we're gonna start with yours. But before we do, there's gonna be a number of shares, funds, and investment trusts mentioned in this episode. So what we'll do is we'll put links in the description to the articles that have been written on these portfolios so that you can then find them easily. These portfolios, they are hypothetical and the intention is very much to give food for thought on you know, how to go about building an income paying portfolio via shares, funds, or investment trusts. So Lee, your hypothetical portfolio requires an initial investment of 158000 to potentially achieve £10,000. So that gives an overall dividend yield of 6.4%. Talk us through the lineup. I mean, we've pretty much done it there or thereabouts every year for the past eight years. But I'd stress if you wanted to, to follow it, I mean, you can adjust the sums invested. Obviously, that would bring down the uh, the amount of income that you'd expect. But it, it can be used as a useful guide uh, using different sums of money 
So it doesn't have to be 158,000, but that's what we've used for this portfolio to, to generate, hopefully generate 10,000 pounds annual income. Last year, we invested uh, or needed to invest 153,000 across the, uh, the 10 companies. Uh, and that effectively generated, it did actually generate a 7.1% yield. But this year, as I mentioned earlier, it's, uh, it's all about diversification. We, we picked 10 companies, the majority of them very well known, household names, two, typically two each, each year might be a little bit more um, speculative. I mean, I'll just run through some of the constituents. I mean, we've got Lloyds Bank in there. Uh, we've got GSK, Pharmaceuticals, SSE, uh, Utilities, Sainsbury's, Legal and General for Insurance, British American Tobacco, M&G, Taylor Wimpy for House Builders, uh, and then two companies that um, some um, listeners might not be uh, as familiar with, Diversified Energy Company, oil and gas business, and Sylvania Platinum, so mining. The last two we've put slightly less, uh, invested slightly less, but uh, their yields, I mean, Diversified Energy, 9.9% prospective yield, and uh, Sylvania Platinum, 8.6%. So great dividend yields and Diversified Energy. The reason that's been in there uh, for the past few years is because it's been a, it's a great cash generation machine, really. And it's, uh, it's delivered every year we've included it. Um, so that, yeah, a yield of almost 10%, we couldn't leave it out this year. And Sylvania Platinum, I mean, 8.6% yield. It's a, a smaller percentage of the portfolio, 6%, but generates um, a nice slug of uh, potential income for that portfolio. We hadn't included banks in, in this portfolio for a few years for obvious reasons. Now with obviously interest rates rising, uh, the environment for, for the banking sector is far more uh, encouraging. Similarly, we hadn't included a pharma business for a while. GSK had, had been tinkering with its uh, dividend policy. I think really the past few years I've been looking at uh, some of the big blockbuster dividends. But I, I think with the markets the way they are at the moment, we're looking for diversification, which the, uh, the pharma gives us. But also there's nothing wrong with having a, a company yielding 4% in an income portfolio. And I think in these circumstances, for that extra diversification, it's been worth taking a slightly lower yield and being a little bit less ambitious on the yield front. And as you see, we've still come out with a 6.4% perspective yield for this portfolio for, for, for the year. And as well as uh, diversification, what other sort of factors are you drilling into the dividend on? Is it things like dividend cover, for example? And Yeah, I mean, cover's important. The way that the portfolio is constructed it's diversification first, so spread across the sectors. We've got a great spread there this year. I, I, let's take Sylvania Platinum as an example. I mean, the past few years, we've included uh, Rio Tinto, and it's been a great uh, income generator, 11% last year. So that was a big factor in the uh, yield for the portfolio. This year, there's unlikely to be special dividends or less likely. I don't know. So with that sort of uncertainty, I've decided to withdraw Rio Tinto from the portfolio. I think uh, without special Dividends, it would have been about 6.6% uh, yield, which isn't bad. Glencore, I dismissed. But I looked at Sylvania Platinum for one of my six speculative income tips earlier in the year. So the research is done, and at 8.6% for a mining company, that's exposure to mining. It, it's, again, it's a good um, cash generator, and it's uh, you know, a solid track record of, of dividend payments. I also look at the, the market conditions. Yeah, I, I guess a possibly controversial inclusion is Taylor Wimpy. So it's, uh, I hope it's not jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire by ditching persimmon and buying Taylor Wimpy. But there's good reasons why I've switched out of one and into the other. Not least, least because the, the policy is not based on earnings cover targets. 
and that's Taylor Wimpy's dividend policy. So, uh, and that it promises to return seven and a half percent of the assets to shareholders annually, or at least two hundred and fifty million a year. So, it seems a little bit more certainty on Taylor Wimpy uh, than uh, than Persimmon. I might be proved wrong, but at the end of the day, it's not about looking back at the end of the year and saying, you know, kicking myself and saying, oh well, I should have chosen Persimmon and not Taylor Wimpy and, and tinkering around the edges and, and, and you know, beating yourself up about you know, small percentages. It's at the, at the start of this process, it's what do I think the right, uh, right constituents are? Which should I ditch from last year? Which should I keep? Um, and um, be happy with the, hopefully be happy with the, uh, with, with the outcome. Some of the decisions might not be uh, correct. They might, I may have been better staying off in, in persimmon. It might turn out at the end of the year, but none of us have got a crystal ball. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with this, uh, this lineup. So my funds portfolio that I've come up with um, has a total yield, which is a fair bit lower than yours of 4.55%, which means that 225,000 is expected to be enough to generate the £10,000 income target. And I was thinking about this before we came onto the podcast, and I think the main reason why that yield is notably lower than the share portfolio is because there's not a great deal of choice of funds that are yielding above 5% without picking a fund that invests adventurously. You know, the, the main types of funds that have yields of over 5% are there are some UK equity income funds, including a couple that are in this portfolio that at the start of the year had yields above 5%. And that's a reflection, obviously, of the FTSE 100 index. There's, um, you know, take, taken collectively as a whole, there are some big yielders in there. Then beyond that, you're looking at the, the, these um, booster or enhanced income, UK equity income funds, or the, and there's a couple of global equity income funds that invest in that way. And they um, artificially boost the amount of income that is generated by the fund through investing in derivatives. I wanted to steer clear of those because I think they are complicated strategies, which arguably are not best suited for retail investors, in my view. Beyond that, you know, in terms of bonds, Funds that are yielding 5 6% or higher, they're typically high-yield bond funds or emerging market debt funds. Um, and, you know, they both carry extra risks. They are at the riskier end of the risk spectrum for fixed income. So overall, I've went for 12 funds and, you know, I've tried to ensure that the portfolio is diversified. Around 60% is in shares, 30% in bonds, and then the remaining 10% in alternatives. And I was keen to ensure with, you know, every fund choice, particularly ones that invest in the same area, that they are sufficiently different from one another in how they invest. I think this is potentially an error that fund investors make. They, you know, they tend to buy funds that are too similar. And I think that that should be avoided. So yeah, most funds, they have a 5% or a 10% weighting with one 15% holding. So 30% is in UK equity income funds. One of those is um, a passively managed Vanguard FTSE UK equity income, which might surprise people that have chosen that. But at the start of the year, it had a yield of 5.4%, which was higher than the vast majority of actively managed UK equity income funds. And I thought that was too high a yield to ignore, really, you know, for the purposes of this portfolio. And in its strategy um, consists of shares that are expected to pay dividends that are generally higher than average for the UK market. That was one of the reasons why I picked it, due to that strategy. And the other three um, UK income funds are Artemis Income, Man GLG Income, and Janice Henderson UK Responsible Income. They all invest differently from one another. 
Artemis Income, um, it mainly invests in FTSE 100 companies. MangLG Income, it invests across the UK market. It has a value um, style approach. And Janice Henderson, UK Responsible Income, as you would expect due to its name, it invests in sustainable companies. And then moving on, 25% of the portfolio is in global overseas income. And I, and I chose Fidelity Global Dividend, Morgan Stanley Global Brands Equity Income, and Guinness Asian Equity Income. So I only chose one regional income fund beyond the UK because I think for you know US equity income funds, they tend to typically have low yields, you know, typically 3% or below. And um, European income, there's not that many fund choices. I'm not trying to make a call on the market, but I think the prospects for Asia over the long term do seem to be better than Europe. So um, that, that was why I went for Asian equity income. And then the rest of the portfolio is one mixed asset choice, which is Artemis monthly distribution. So this got 15% allocation. This invests monthly. And it, you know, an argument could be made that this could be a potential like one-stop shop for investors that just want to invest in one fund. It, it, I think it depends on your portfolio size. I think if you're starting out, then that, that may suit your needs. But I think you know, if you've got a portfolio that, you know, I mean, this, this portfolio is £225,000. I think you'd want greater diversification rather than sticking it in one fund. Then moving on to bonds, the two bond funds are Jupiter Strategic Bond and Royal London Global Bond Opportunities. So they've both got a 10% weighting each. And compared to a year ago, their yield is around one percentage point higher than it was. And this is because of the um, fallout in the bond market over the past year in response to um, increases in interest rates. Bond prices have fallen, but the silver lining for people buying today is that bond yields are at much more attractive levels. And then the final two are two specialist options. One of them is the FTF Clearbridge Global Infrastructure Income Fund. So as the name suggests, it invests in um, infrastructure uh, companies. And then the other one is VT Gravis Clean Energy Income. I think those two specialist choices, they're important for the portfolio because they give diversification of income streams that um, differs from the, the rest of the portfolio. So you got 12 funds in your portfolio do you or what what first why I, I kind of know why you've got 12 but if you could just explain why you've got 12 could you do it for less i think you definitely can do it for less i think you pretend you could potentially do it for seven to ten funds holdings but and the reason why i say seven to ten is is based on the, the investment amount two hundred twenty-five thousand. i think for the purpose of this portfolio when i was putting it together i was really keen to have that specialist exposure because i think it does well, hopefully it will make a, a positive impact for the portfolio. The trouble is I wouldn't want to have too much dedicated to those um, specialist income funds, which is why I've only got you know 5% in each. And I was also keen to ensure that the bond exposure was 20% and it, you know, that, that was the amount that I wanted to have in bonds to ensure that you know, there's hopefully going to be some, some capital protection, some capital growth for the portfolio. But I think, yeah, overall it could be done Definitely for less, but you would need bigger single stock position sizes. So it's you know it's if people are going to be comfortable with do, with doing that. You know I've got one fifteen percent holding, and then the rest are mainly ten and five percent. But I think this exercise does show that you don't need to invest in twenty, twenty five, thirty funds. Anyone who's got twenty funds or more, they should really take a hard look at their portfolio and consider: is that fund that I invest in is it bringing something different or unique to the party? Or is it quite similar to any of my other investments? Because if it is similar and you're getting similar returns, then 
that'd be a red flag to me as to why you why you're investing in it. Of course, with funds, all income generated is returned to investors, but within investment trusts, um, up to fifteen percent of income can be retained, can't it? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, that fifteen percent of income generated each year can be retained in so-called dividend reserves. And what this means is that when there's an income shortfall, as there was during the pandemic and during the global financial crisis, investment trust boards, they can decide to dip into those reserves and keep the dividends flowing. You know, they could maintain or even increase payouts. And um, a lot of investment trust companies, in fact, did increase payouts during those um, two periods. So as I've mentioned before on this podcast, if you want consistency of income, the investment trust structure is arguably better suited um, over funds in that respect. Now, with the £10,000 investment trust portfolio, it has, a, it has a higher yield than the fund portfolio of 4.9%. So therefore, um, to deliver £10,000 of potential income, um, £215,000 is required. And as in common with the fund portfolio, uh, most of the holdings have 5 or a 10% weighting, and there's one 15% holding. Again, um, 12 investment trusts have been picked. Um, so 40% held in UK equity income, 35% in global slash overseas income, 15% in alternatives and 10% in bonds. So they um, picked four UK-focused equity income trusts. So they were City of London, JP Morgan Claverhouse, Merchants Trust and Diverse Income. They all invest um, dif- sufficiently differently from one another, um, which is one of the key reasons why I chose each. Three of the ones that I mentioned, um, City of London, JP Morgan Claverhouse and Merchants Trust, they have decades-long track records of increasing their dividend payouts um, through thick and thin. And then 35% of the portfolio is in global equity income. And the trusts I chose here were Murray International, JP Morgan, Global Growth and Income, Henderson International Income, and Utilico Emerging Markets. And the remaining 25% of the portfolio is held in um, four funds, and they are balanced commercial property. So this invests in a range of UK property assets and the rent being generated from the underlying holdings, that's returned to investors on a monthly basis. I also picked 24 income. So this is a bond portfolio that invests in high yielding asset backed securities, including mortgages and credit card debt. Now, I'm gonna be honest, it's um, not my specialist subject how this investment trust invests. But um, the team of 24 Asset Management, they are a bond boutique. You know, that's what they do. They only invest in fixed income. Um, and they respect, they're a respected outfit. And they do invest very differently from other bond funds. Um, and the end result for this strategy is an eye-catching yield of um, over 7%. And then the final two uh, choices are Greencoat UK Wind, which, as the name suggests, it invests in UK wind farms. And a key attraction of this trust, which has led, well, which I assume has led to a you know a pickup in demand among customers of Interact Investors, this trust has been in our top 10 most bought for nearly a year now, is that the trust aims to increase its dividends in line with the retail price index, so that's RPI inflation. The investment trust uh, analyst team at Investec, they uh, recently reiterated their buy recommendation for this investment trust. And uh, one of the things that it pointed out is that its RPI dividend aim is something that uh, this trust has achieved each year since launch in 2013. And it expects its dividend target for 2023 to be achieved with an increase of 13.4%, which is in line with um, December RPI. And then the final investment trust chosen is BlackRock World Mining. 
So this invests in a natural resources stocks, which are beneficiaries of inflation. And these higher profits are being returned to investors through share buybacks and higher dividend payments. And this has resulted in BlackRock Whale Mining offering a dividend yield of 6.6%. I think with this trust, it's important to bear in mind that the, the dividend, it's not progressive. So if the mining sector suffers a downturn, then the chances are this trust, its, you know, its dividend yield will fall and it, you know, the dividend will be less generous uh, going forward. So that's the investment trust portfolio. We would love to hear feedback from yourself on what you think of the portfolios. Any thoughts that you do have, good or bad, do get in touch and they may be included in a future episode. So my thanks to Lee and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get a chance, do leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. You can join the conversation ask questions and tell us what you want us to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. And in the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interact Investor website, which is ii.co.uk. See you next week.